in the morning when you need the news that matters most. We have a constitutional right to publish this story. We are the fourth estate and we will hold the powerful accountable. You need the front page. Wait, what's the fourth estate? Us, the press. And everyone knows that? On the press box. Because I feel like people always say the fourth estate, but they don't actually know what it means. I think everybody knows what it means. I thought the fourth estate was time. That's the fourth dimension. I thought the fourth estate was Georgia. With Graney and Bischoff. No, not state, a state. You thought I was saying we're the state of Georgia? Our Finley Kia text line is 69187. You can send us whatever you want on the Finley Kia text line. We'll probably read it. Uh, just preface your message with ESPN. Uh, so type ESPN, then your message, and send it to 69187. Uh, let us know what you think. We started the show talking about the Golden Knights. Are they going to make the playoffs without Mark Stone? If Mark Stone isn't going to be there, who knows? Uh, but yeah, let us know anything you want. All right. The Knicks signed RJ Barrett to a four-year extension. It's worth up to $120 million. The interesting part on this is not so much that the Knicks want to keep RJ Barrett. He scored 20 points per game last year, and he's pretty young. Of course, they want to keep him. But the report from Adrian Wojnarowski yesterday that the Knicks gave the Jazz a deadline of August 29th to work out a Donovan Mitchell trade. And that if they didn't work out a trade, they were going to give R.J. Barrett this extension. The reason that that was part of this deadline is because R.J. Barrett was most likely going to be traded to Utah if the Knicks got Donovan Mitchell. But with this new extension, it makes it very, very difficult to trade R.J. Barrett. Well, where did they come up with August 29th? I, I do not have <laughs> any idea. What does that have idea. to do with anything? I have no clue. So if it was September 2nd, but you could pull off a deal, now you won't because I, it's not August 29th? Hey, close of business Monday. <laughs> it's like, you got to let me know. That's such a Knicks thing. Right. I have what does that mean? No I am idea. planning on taking a six-day weekend, <laughs> so you got to let me know by Monday. So I that's a random day in August that they just said, All right, if you don't if we don't have a Donovan Mitchell trade, yeah. we're done. We're done. No, Donovan Mitchell, we're keeping RJ. So Barrett. today they want to trade Donovan Mitchell. No, you didn't do it before right. yesterday. So like it's very bizarre. I I do not comprehend because it's it's not like, oh, it's the start of preseason or training camp and we want right. to have a full team, because even then that would be stupid. Right. Hey, it's the start of the regular even that would be stupid. It was August 29th. The only thing I can imagine is if they like were aware that RJ Barrett was pissed off that they were continuing to talk about trading him and they wanted to do, you know, right by RJ Barrett. But even then, tell him to calm down for a bit. Right. So he's going to get paid. Yeah. I just very bizarre that there would be a random day in August would be a Knicks deadline for trading for Donovan Mitchell. Like they somehow did this to themselves. He he's going he, there. The GM's going to Cabo today, and he's like, I, "I'm I'm not working on my vacation." He can come back in two weeks and still make the trade. He can go to Cabo for two months. He can go to Cabo until the trade deadline. Well, also, and there still hey, is the deadline. Sign and trade. Then. We signed him. Now we're gonna trade. Him. Well, that's why they can't trade him because if they the. Because he's on his rookie deal, the NBA has a very weird rule about money and everything. They literally like cannot trade this guy. It's almost impossible to trade him based on his contract. You know, you just never give up. And it sounds cliche, but that really means something. You have no matter what you're going through out there. And I just want people to be inspired by my story. I'm from Compton, California. Yes. And, yes. you know, 
Compton, and I made it. Game, Serena Williams won her first match of the U.S. Open yesterday. This is expected to be her final major, maybe her final tournament ever, before she retires. Uh, can anybody explain to me why they had a ceremony for her after this match? Or maybe they weren't thinking it was going to be a nice result. So <laughs> thought she was going to lose? Wait a minute. Would they have still had it if she lost? Yeah. Oh, sure. She Would she have participated in it? Oh, sure. Yeah, I think she's at the If level. she lost to... Donka yeah, she, Kovinic. She just lost to someone like that in her previous tournament and had something afterwards and talked to the crowd. She's fine. All Greatest right. athlete ever, it was, arguably. It's just very strange to me. It's Most like dominant athlete ever. They had sure. like absolutely. They had like a thirty-minute ceremony afterwards, and I'm like, she's Serena Williams. <laughs> she's playing tomorrow. <laughs> It's not like she's done. She'll address the crowd. She, to, she'll address the crowd. Is she going to do this after every match? No, I think she addresses <laughs> the crowd the next when she finally loses. If she right. wins this thing, we're going to look back and be like, what the hell did they do that after the she first is, match for? Like Jared said, the most dominant athlete ever in conversation is the best athlete ever. I don't think she's winning this. I, I honestly, if every time Tiger played 18 holes, they went, all right, well, we're going to do 30 minutes with Tiger afterwards. That would be fine. No, the I don't care about how you would do it. The second time, it's like when everybody complains about the retirement tours of NBA players or MLB players. It's like, oh, he's retiring. We got to give him a gift after every random uh, away game in May. Like, ah, uh, the Marlins are giving Derek Jeter something before he a retires. Board. Yeah, it's like, who cares? He barely played this guy. As Serena beats somebody in the first round, we have a like. Wait until she loses or wins the whole thing, then have the ceremony. It was all set up Monday night. Right at center court. Is she not going to play every match on center court? It's Serena. She will. I mean, she'd have to. No, she will. It's just, I, I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, they probably had it set up one way or the other, and she was going to talk no matter what. If she loses her second match, she just... She addresses the crowd. Walk off and be done with it? I assume Well, that she could be done. If ESPN sure. is smart, she walks directly to the booth. <laughs> and they have money waiting. Serena doesn't want to do that. I, even if she's bad at it, they gave Magic Johnson an opportunity to be an in-studio <laughs> analyst, and he was terrible, but he was Magic Johnson. I'm guessing Serena doesn't want to be on TV talking about tennis. My guess. Wow. Sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. Also, she's playing doubles with her sister. She's going to be playing tennis like 15 more times. We're treating her like it was the last one. Albert Pujols is now homered off of 450 different pitchers. That's a new record. He broke Barry Bonds' record for most pitchers to homer off of last night. I believe he's up to 694. I don't know if he's going to get six before this season ends, but he is right on the edge of yeah. 700 home runs to the point where what happens if he ends at 698? He said he's not coming back. He said Man. he's not. He said he's still retiring. You have got to sign the Hey Cardinals, one year, whatever the hell the league minimum is in Major League Baseball. I'm in the starting lineup until I get to 700, and then Walking I'm retired. Away? Yeah, like you can't end your season at 690 something, right? Or end your career. What if he's at 699? You've got to. You have to. And by the way, 
the Cardinals don't start him every game, whatever. They, you know, platoon him so he only right. hits if, lefties. Get him in the line. They're going to win the division. He should be in the lineup every day till the end of the season, right? Get six home runs, whatever it takes. He's in the lineup every single day. I'm not hit him I'm lead not, off so he gets I'm not fighting an extra you on that bat. one. I'd love for him to get 700. I loved the year last year when he was on the Dodgers. He's great. He was great clubhouse guy. He was great for the team. Hit, I loved him. Hit him lead off. He'll get an extra at bat every now and then. Just get him to 700. A couple times I had to fast forward the dots when he was up. <laughs> yeah, what did you guys do to him? Because he seems fine exactly. in St. Louis. Oh, Next question. Standing in your corner. Next question. The Dodgers placed Tony Gonsolin on uh, the IL strained right forearm. Gonsolin has thrown a career high in innings this season. Uh, you were worried about starting pitching before this. <laughs> now Gonsolin, who's maybe been the Dodgers' best pitcher all year, is sixteen and one on the IL. Yeah, I I, I told you it's falling apart. Who's falling apart. who's all currently available as a starting pitcher for the Dodgers Haney, right now? Anderson, Urias, May, and some poor kid. He actually pitched well last night. They brought him up from Oklahoma City last night on like the two-hour window. So yeah, you're, you're pitching tonight. Um, and he, of course, he pitched well. It's the Dodgers. Everybody Kershaw IL, Gonsolin IL, Bueller out for the next two years. <laughs> um, so yeah, if that if that's your rotation, Urias, Anderson, Haney, May, they cannot win the World Series. They yeah, can't win the World Series yeah, that can. rotation. Don't all those guys have an ERA of like three point five or lower. They can't win the World Series. Those Not with all, that rotation. They've all been good this year, haven't they? Urias, I, mean, I love him. I mean, May has only pitched like twice, but right. They've all been good this year. I just don't believe in them. And, and you'll probably get one of Kershaw or Gonsolin back. Uh, probably more so Kershaw. Yeah. Because like I don't... It was not an arm. Yeah. Like, you'll probably get one of them back. Because yeah, I don't... I'm not... It's like uh, David Ross said with... Uh, they said 15 days. I'm not shocked if Gonsolin's out for the season. Anytime you hear forearm, that's like the first thing you hear. 15... 15... Yeah, 15 days... And then all of a sudden, like t- ten days later, it's like uh, he's he's out for the year. And like you said, this is not a surprise. It's a career high in innings for this guy. He's never pitched this much. He's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. Best record in baseball. Not even close anymore. Who has the best record in baseball? It's the Dodgers by like fifty games. games. Fifty-one, Jared. Fifty-one oh. over five hundred. Oh, sorry. Could the Dodgers lose every game? I'm the rest watching of the, year? the Royals and Cubs. They could be in the postseason if they lost. Have they gotten the ninety uh, yet? No, they're not oh, at ninety. Okay. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. No, so, not yet. What are they at? Like eighty six? Something like that. So four more wins and then lose every game the rest of the year. They're probably still in the playoffs. It's a chance. If four more wins, they could, the magic number is fifteen. And you're over here like, oh, they could. They could lose every game the rest of the year. <laughs> the magic number is fifteen. That's kind of insane. Fifteen. <laughs> fifteen. That's like uh, the Astros the eliminated. Magic beat. number. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I love that. It's one of the best phrases in sports. Yeah. Magic number. Oh, it's a great number. Yes. How many wins slash losses by our uh, second place? By the team. second place team. Oh, it's great! It's one of the greatest phrases ever. Whoever came up with magic number, phenomenal. Thank. I can't. Are you proud of yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're proud of yourself. Yeah, Fox backs me. Wow. Schoolhouse Rock. To, to be honest. To be honest. No, no, that's enough. That's enough. Next question, please. The Astros are calling up their number one and number three prospects. I'm excited. I'm way too excited about random call ups in September. So. Hunter Brown is their best prospect. He has a 2.55 ERA in AAA, strikes out more than a batter per inning. He actually just pitched against the Aviators on Sunday, threw three and a third and struck out four in relief. 
Um, if he pitched for, if he was on any other organization, he would have been called up like two months ago. But the Astros have had Incredible six pitching. starting pitchers and nobody's gotten hurt right. until Verlander. Like they've been fine. So they haven't called him up. The reason I'm excited is I'm pretty certain they're putting him in the bullpen. And his po- if he's good, his postseason role is probably going to be, hey, come in in the sixth and finish the game. Like, come in. You've got three innings. Finish this game off. And I'm very Will Dusty know that. he's on the team? That is a good question. He might not. Will he have any idea who I this th- guy I is? I think that's the general manager's plan. Dusty Baker's plan is going to be like, I'm not putting a rookie in the yeah. game. Who is this person? Yeah, I've never he's, seen this kid before. Because literally, he calls him by the by his number, not yes. by his name. A42. A42. A56. But I am very excited about Hunter Brown. And I think he's going to be very good. He's th- he throws 99. And his slider's like 93. So I'm very oh, excited. Oh, so his arm's going to fall off. Yeah, soon. probably. But go in the World so Series. So he's going to have year. forearm issues. Yeah. But go in the World Series this year and everything will be perfectly fine. Have no problems whatsoever. All right. Coming up next, we'll jump into some NFL. I can't get into the specifics of it other than to just say he's doing well. We had an opportunity to visit with him last night, which was really uh, a relief and kind of uh, cool because he was uh, he was in a really good place. You know, the doctors were very positive with him, and um, he was very positive as well. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. Yikes on that music. Ed, you want to read that tweet about Albert Pools and Serena Williams? Let me get to it, Tyler. <laughs> that was good radio. Hold on. Let me get to it, buddy. So. Albert Pujols and Serena Williams have basically been playing their respective sports for two decades plus here. All right, what do we got? Okay. In August 29th of 2001, Serena Williams wins the U.S. Open. Albert Pujols hits a home run. Vlad Guerrero Sr., Craig Biggio, and Dante Bichette all record a hit. That's August 29th of 2001. August 29th of 2022, Serena Williams wins the U.S. Open. Albert Pujols hits a home run. Vlad Guerrero Jr., Kevin Biggio, and Bo Bichette all record a hit, which is absolutely one of the most amazing stats and (laughs) tweets I've ever seen in my life. So you have two all-time greats that are still doing it 21 (laughs) years later, and then three uh, good baseball players, right? Yeah. Vlad, Biggio are in the Hall of Fame. I don't think Dante Bichette is. Their sons, 21 (laughs) years later... Also, all record a hit. That is incredible. It's it's incredible on two parts. One, that you have so many sons of major leaguers that make the major leagues and are good enough to be in the lineup and everything. But more importantly, that Serena Williams and Albert Pujols have been doing this so long that they can still be good enough at their sports yeah. two decades later. Okay, so let's ask the room what's more impressive. Because Jared and I were talking in the break, and I just thought, you get these all-time greats that just last forever because they're the all-time greats and the, some of the greatest ever. I'm almost more impressed that these all these kids made the major leagues because it's so hard to make the major leagues. I'm I'm almost more impressed with that because when you're an all-time great, I mean, look at Brady; he's 45, and he's still doing it at a very high level. But the fact that those three kids made the sport that their dads played. I think that's an I think that's incredible. And they all I mean they all got the hit last night. I think you saying look at Brady makes Serena and Pujols the impressive part. Hmm. Like if you're like if it's hey, they're the Tom Brady of their sport. That's Tom Brady's like the most impressive accomplished athlete we've seen in team sports. So Yeah. 
We're basically saying Serena's Tom Brady, and Tom Brady, from a team sport perspective, is like the best who have ever done it. Pujols is Tom Brady. Hold on. I mean, he still doesn't have as many rings as Robert Ory, so let's (laughs) let's calm down. So I, it to me, it's the twenty twenty plus years later. Pujols to be good enough to still be in the lineup and hitting home runs and Serena, obviously neither one of them is what they were at their peak anymore, but they're still good enough to win a match at the U S open to hit a home run in major league baseball. I, I think it's nice right. too. That's what I, I, I think. So now Vlad Guerrero jr. Might end up better than his father. Well, yeah, he's of the three <laughs> he, there. He's the exception there. Right. I mean, he might end up better than dad. So it's, yeah, it's impressive. Um, all right, here's here's a story that uh well first let, let me do this real quick because we talked about this on Friday and we didn't get to it yesterday. Julio Rodriguez's uh contract extension with the Mariners. Did you see how complicated this is? Only that it was a complete craziness in the, terms of what he gets up front and then what he can earn over time. Was I right? Does he get like five grand if he No, not even close. So oh. Julio Rodriguez signed an extension with the Mariners. The base of the extension is an eight-year extension worth $120 million. That's only $15 million yeah. per year, by the way. But eight-year deal worth $120 million. Then what happens after that eight years? The Mariners have a team option. So after eight years, the Mariners can pick up one of two different team options. They can either add eight years onto the deal, or they can add 10 years onto the deal. And the salary that Julio Rodriguez would make on that team option would depend on how many MVP votes Julio Rodriguez gets between now and the end of this initial eight-year deal. So team option could make this 16- or 18-year deal, which is insane to say out loud. If the Mariners do not pick up the 8- or 10-year option, then Julio Rodriguez has a 5-year player option for $90 million. So after eight years, what's going to happen is the Mariners are going to say, do we want him for 10 years? Yes or no. If they say no, do we want him for eight years? Yes or no. If they say no again, then Julio Rodriguez comes in and says, do I want to sign with the Mariners for five, for five years. more years? And if he says yes, he's on. Million. If he says no, then he's a free agent, right? So what that means is that Julio Rodriguez signed an extension with the Mariners that could be eight 13, 16, or 18 Who years. is the agent in this Yeah, situation? I was about to say, some of this stuff sounds like stuff you put in the contract in order for it to be negotiated out. By who? Who's it bad for? I mean... None of this... To me, none of this seems like a massive The, the amount of money doesn't seem real great. Well, here's the thing for Julio Rodriguez. He's in his first year, so he's not going to get paid anything for the next three years. If he didn't sign an extension, he'd make the league minimum right. for the next three years. Now he's going to make $15 million for the next three years. Now, after three years, he goes to arbitration, and arbitration is a one-year deal where you get you know, sort of what you're deserving. 30, 20, whatever. Right. So in three years, he'd make some real money, but he's basically getting $45 million over the next three years that he was not going to get. That's why the next eight years is not very much. But like, if Julio Rodriguez is good, he's going to get paid $400-something million. And it, he's got... Eight, potentially 18 years of security. And like the Mariners, if he's not good, granted eight years is a long time, but if he's not good, they actually I get mean, out of this contract. Like, 
I don't know who eight he's years bad is for. a long time. If eight he's not eight good. years <laughs> for a Seattle like for a Seattle player that that's good as a fan in Seattle because at least you know okay I'm gonna buy this jersey and it's <laughs> at least going to be for, for eight, eight years. years. It's like and here here's the other part of this. I don't want to hear from another athlete that they can't negotiate a contract in season. Because Julio Rodriguez just had the most complicated contract extension I've ever heard of negotiated in the middle of the season. You you do not have an excuse to say, ah, I can't negotiate. No, isn't that why you have the the agent? Well, yeah. But you and don't then have he an can excuse. come to you and say, this is what the deal is. Do you want to do it? Yes or right. no? Because imagine the agent coming to Julio Rodriguez with this, and he'd be like, hold on. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it, this is not going to happen. I mean, maybe teams will copy this, but like, you're telling me that other players can't just be like, oh, yeah, it's a five-year deal. Yes or no? Do you want five years and this amount of money? They can say yes or no to that. Right. Meanwhile, Julio Rodriguez is out here like, yeah, what's the deal? So it could be 8, 13, 16, or 18? Cool. I'll say yes. Nobody else has that excuse anymore. All right, there's one other story I, I wanted to get to. This is, We're going to the world of soccer here. French authorities are investigating a blackmail attempt on Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba is a midfielder for Juventus and the French national team. Um, according to this story, Paul Pogba is claiming that there is a gang trying to extort him. And members of this gang are his childhood friends and his brother. Ah, family ties. Paul Pogba says that he was held at gunpoint at one point by some childhood friends. Gunpoint at one point. Who were demanding $11 million. Sure. Actually, 11 million euros. Oh, that's more. But this, this tweet about this story says okay i i can't, okay <laughs> this gang was going to leak that paul pogba asked a witch doctor to cast a spell on killian mbappe who also plays for the french national team with paul pogba and pogba says i did not do that or if he did it's a witch doctor <laughs> so the blackmail <laughs> attempt by Paul Pogba's brother and childhood friends and his friends is that they're going to tell the world that Paul Pogba asked a witch <laughs> to cast a spell which doctor on one of his French teammates unless he gives them 11 million dollars hey, year 11 that million witch euros. went to medical school give her her pro- well well no witch is is fe- typically female or a woman uh, yeah, so she went to medical school. So give her her proper due. She's a doctor. If I was Paul Pogba, I would simply tell them, go ahead. Tell the world that I hired a witch doctor to put a spell on Kylian Mbappe. Because if you heard that, what you would be like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And honestly, I don't, I don't think know I- if I'm Killian and I'm su- suddenly bad things are happening <laughs> to me if I say it's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Something like tripping over things, I mean, losing money, and doing all this other stuff. He's like the best player in the world. He's fine. Like, this is some of the craziest stuff I think I've read. Where we have. And they held this guy at gunpoint to say this to him? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if this is real or not. I, I saw it in a tweet. I had to go find a story to confirm this to be like, am I getting duped by this random tweet? It was in a your, uh, UK outlet the guardian or whatever it was 
that was like that's a legit newspaper. All right, like something about a witch doctor and Paul Pogman. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what's happening here, but this is very strange, and I kind of can't wait to see how this goes. The scary part: a he was held at gunpoint, and Paul Pogba says that he has seen these men following him in three different cities across Europe. He used to play oh. in uh, England. He said he saw him in Europe. He was in or in uh, London. He saw them in Paris, and he now plays for a team in Italy. And he says he's seen them in uh, Italy as well. Well, Paris and Italy makes sense, but a- but you know, after Brexit, how did they get into <laughs> the UK? All right, coming up next, Charles McDonald joins the show. I might, but you guys not gonna have it today. Again, like I told you guys the other week, man, we're not gonna make knee jerk reactions and statements following the performance. We'll go through our proper professional procedure, and we'll disclose it to you at our at our leisure. To be quite honest with you. Back to the press box, summer edition. Joining us now is Charles McDonald. You can follow him on Twitter at 4Verts. Um, I'll start here, Charles. You still haven't announced where your next stop is, right? No, not yet. Okay. Uh, it's funny, though, because I start work next Tuesday, uh, but I still haven't been clear to tell people where I'm working yet, but I promise <laughs> I do have a job. I do have a job, uh, and you guys will find out about it soon. <laughs> you, hold on. You told us uh, last week that the background checks was too difficult. You're having to do it yourself. Are you sure you're going to pass the background check? I don't. I look. It is back in God's hands now. I, <laughs> as far as I know, I've never been arrested before. Um, as far as you know, so, <laughs> look. It's, that, that that has nothing to do with me uh, at this point. You know, it's funny though because I actually I was frustrated because it was, it was taking so long. So I actually looked up the reviews for like the company. And they have like a one star review on Google, so I might like, I might be waiting for a little bit. <laughs> All right, uh, can you tell us why Patrick Mahomes is so underrated? Oh, okay. This story was like kind of a joke. Like this is a joke. Like you know, if you don't have Patrick Mahomes quarterback one, then he's like the most underrated quarterback in football. And then it just turns like the most underrated player in football because I don't know. I. I, I I think, like, the recency bias thing is really, really, really hurting him here because the last time we saw him play was, like, it was, uh, quite honestly, probably the worst half of football that he's ever played in the NFL, at least. Uh, and it, it's kind of a sense of Bengals to the Super Bowl. But <laughs> the half before that, he looked like as good as we'd ever seen him. And obviously, the game before that uh, against the Bills, he looked great. I don't know. I just think, like, when you look at Patrick Mahomes, we're talking about the guy who, like, who literally has um, the, the, the best four-year stretch of quarterback play, like, maybe we've ever seen. And it'd be, like, his first four years of playing football in the NFL. So, uh, I don't know. To me, to have him eight, I, I know it's just an NFL top 100 list. Like, I've talked to Jonathan Jets players. No one takes that list seriously. But it, it, it gives me a chance to spot off some propaganda. No, I don't think they're seven best seven better players in the NFL than Patrick Mahomes. Like, there might be one, Aaron Donald, and, like, that's the level of talent that I think we're talking about. So now I, I just get to annoy people by calling Patrick Mahomes the most underrated player in football <laughs> whenever you don't have him number one. Because people are, people are coming to me, are you crazy? Are you dumb? Uh, oh, he's ranked number eight. Yes, that is spot too low. How about that? Are you surprised fellow players pick Brady one? Uh. Yeah, I actually was a little bit surprised about that. Um, just because I, I didn't really predict that. Uh, you know, I, I, I do think that Brady, like, I, I thought Brady had a legitimate case to win MVP last year. Like, he really was that good, which is kind of insane at his age. But 
I was really surprised he was picked number one over like Aaron Donald. Um, because like, I think with these lists, it was a lot, like I said, there's a lot of recency bias, and like the last thing we saw from Aaron Donald was making back-to-back plays to win the Super Bowl for the Rams. So I was a little surprised Tom Brady was number one, but it's not like a Super Bowl. It's not like a super unreasonable thing. It's just a little unreasonable because it doesn't say Patrick Mahomes number one. Uh, did you guys see? Uh, you guys see Brady's face? <laughs> no. What's What's wrong with his face? I don't know whose face is that. Like, <laughs> that's, that's my first question. Like I saw, I saw the, uh, I, the 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 press conference he had when he got back uh, from his little sabbatical that he was on, and my first question was, "Who is that?" Like, oh, I, don't, I don't recognize who that is, but you know, I guess Brady's uh, he's uh, he's staying young in more ways than one. If you catch my drift, okay, he's wearing that big mask from the Mass Singer. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think he looks like the mask, like the Jim Carrey mask. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I just pulled up a picture of him from his press conference, and I, yeah, what's going on with his chin? Whatever, the area between his chin and his lips. Who is that? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. He was replaced by somebody. This is, Tom Brady yeah. is like, uh, yeah, This is, is this how he's played in the NFL so long? He gets replaced every five years by somebody else? Yeah, or, you know, maybe we should ask, like, what's going on in that, uh, I was Guerrero office. That's uh, that's at the Buck Stadium now. Maybe we should be asking more questions about this. But no, 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 no. We don't want to, you know, ruin the mystique here. Just like we don't want to ask. Hey, LeBron, how would you get the two eighty in Miami when you still running the four two? How does that work? Um, you know, we don't need to ask some of these questions about our greatest stars. Okay, what are the chances Tom Brady missed like ten days of practice because he was getting plastic surgery? <laughs> look, look, look. I've I've been a. Uh, Look, I've been turning out this idea in my group chats as well. Just because I feel like, especially since it's called 2017, I think his face has gone undergone like kind of a pretty crazy transformation. And if you just like, there are people now who are just like studying Tom Brady's face on the internet. If you go back to like what he looked like when he first got drafted, it's just, look, Tom, obviously something here is not like 100% human. That's okay. I'm not expecting that either. But you're 45. You're trying to look 20. You're missing tactics for 10 days. Like, what's going on here, Tom? Like, are you good? Are you good? Because this, this doesn't happen to the Tom Brady I know. But to your point, he's going to be a completely different person up there. His whole hairline changed. I'm looking at a picture yeah. of when he's young. His whole he, the dude got a hair yeah, transplant. He, yeah, he got a he got a middle part now. It's uh, it's like legitimately not even the same person. <laughs> but. I thought the most interesting part of Tom Brady coming back, though, is like he got back out there on the game on Saturday, and he's obviously just throwing these lasers 100 miles per hour. I, I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't understand what what this is. Like, I, I just don't think that we should be, you know, numb to the fact that hey, there's this guy who has more production than every quarterback who has played past the age of 40 combined, like significantly more production. <laughs> Played at an MVP level last year. He comes out, misses 10 days. He's out back swinging the ball. He looks like a totally different person. I just don't think that we should get numb to the fact that like, what we're seeing here on all levels is just like super duper abnormal, including the greatness. Like, including the greatness. Because, you know, you can do whatever you need to stay young, but it's, you still got to be able to be sharp and accurate and strong or whatever. It's just, this man's 45 years old, and he doesn't look anything close to it. 
All right. I know uh, we're not going to get an unbiased opinion from you, but uh, how good no. is Chauncey Gardner Johnson, the safety that just got traded from the Saints to the Eagles? Oh, I think I, I mean you know, I think he's awesome. Um, I'm I'm happy today because I I honestly think he's an incredible football player. I uh, I you know I don't know like what the negotiations were going on there, what he was asking for, what they were offering, but you know that's to me that's someone like you definitely want to have. Uh, in your secondary, I was alluded just before I got on. I was blowing my friend uh, Seth Galina, who works at Pro Football Focus. He's a big Saints fan. Um, the only Saints friend I have because he keeps it timid. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, 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 he, he was upset. I was happy. So I think that that should tell you what you need to know about what the Eagles are getting. And honestly, you know, it, it brings back to a conversation that's happening this morning with someone about Harry Roseman and like how we view him because, you know, I've kind of come to the conclusion that Howie might not be everyone's cup of tea, but the guy definitely knows at least how to put together a roster. I mean, think about what we were talking about with the Eagles just a few years ago and how, I mean, if they were going to end up with like the number one overall pick uh, just a couple of seasons ago. And now they've rebuilt it faster than certainly the Browns ever did when they went, you know, 1-31 in the last stretch. We build it faster than like the Lions have. I mean, really, only took them what two, three years to get back to. Hey, this might be the best roster in the NFL status. So, I, I just, I just think like the more I kind of sit down and think about it, like Howie Roseman's really done an incredible job in Philadelphia, and yeah, he's going to take some risks. But think about like how far they've come. Uh, and even like one of the last holes they had on this roster for this year, at least, was someone who can play like nickel, like Chauncey Garner Johnson can. And they're going to have cap space to extend them too because. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts thing is still undecided, and they still have some space for some, some other, uh, other moves that they made. You know, I just think that the Eagles, they put themselves in a really good spot to either go on a run this year, like if Jalen Hurts is that dude, like this is definitely a Super Bowl contender, and if not, you got two first-round picks next year. Um, you have the ammunition to go get, you know, whoever you need to come in and fix that quarterback situation. What did you think about the Jimmy G situation, signing as the backup? Kind of split, like it's 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 insurance. I think I, I think I think the, the easy answer is like it's insurance. Now, insurance for what is the next question? Like, is it insurance? Just okay, you know this team is we were just in the NFC Championship game last year. We're starting a young guy, or you know we're starting a guy that he's going to be running a little bit more if he gets hurt. We don't want if Trey gets hurt. We don't want to have to throw away this entire season. Um, and then there's the flip side of last trade last in the preseason, so like, uh, you some things, some stuff coming out of camp. Yeah. Uh, maybe this is just a little insurance in, in case he's not the guy you thought he was. Because I, I just think, you know, I, I think when you, you're looking at the NFL and you're looking at just like literally just the competition aspect of it, you just don't want to be in a spot where guys are like putting their bodies in the line and you don't have a plan B if like if, if your quarterback goes down. Because we all know the quarterback's the most important guy on the field. But if he gets hurt now you're just kinda of wasting the season for everybody else. You don't you don't want to be in that situation. So um I thought that it was like kind of savvy, maybe a little bit of a red flag for Trey Lance, but at the same time it's just insurance for everybody. All right, Charles, we look forward to maybe finding out where you're working at some point in the future. Yep, next week. All right. All right, cool. 
Charles McDonald. Thanks, Charles. Follow him on Twitter at Four Verts and find his work. Who knows? Somewhere else. Um, love that. Love the dial tone. He is so oh, yeah. fast. He's, he's like, I'm quick. done. He's very, he's very quick. It's it's phenomenal. All right. Coming up next. Uh-oh. We got some drama with the Las Vegas Aces. If you believe in something, I think you have to you have to speak up. And I believe very strongly about this. I really do. I hate what it's doing to the game of golf. I hate it. Like, I really do. I mean, it's going to be hard for me to stomach going to Wentworth in a couple of weeks' time and seeing 18 of them there. It just doesn't sit right with me. So, yeah, I feel strongly. I believe what I'm saying are the right things, and I think when you believe that what you're saying is the right things, you're, you're happy to, to stick your neck out on the line. All of the sun, none of the fun on the Press Box Summer Edition. You just get excited no matter what Rory McIlroy says. Matter. Doesn't matter. He's great. He does have a delightful accent. <laughs> he does, it doesn't matter. Hate it. He's the one who stood up. Two, two words in, Ed just is over here. Yes. yes. He's fist tour. pumping. He's, yes. he's the only one who stood up to him really uh, publicly. I give him a lot of credit, and that's why the Bulldogs named after him. But if Rory McIlroy had joined the Live Tour, you would have been doing the same response to his reasoning for why he joined the Live Tour. Go, Phil. <laughs> Go, Dustin. Go, DJ. <laughs> he never would have. That's the point. He never would have. He's that's a PGA Tour guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until everybody's gone but him. <laughs> they just keep winning money. It's him and 48-year-old Tiger Woods out Kid there. Kid won $28 million this year. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a if lot he of went money. to the Live Tour, he'd probably again. make $500 million. <laughs> A lot more money. <laughs> All right. We had a uh, fun tweet that got sent out yesterday. Um, you think the media is misbehaving at Aces games? I think there's a little exuberance from some of the media at the Aces games. I will leave it with you to define that in terms of uh, crossing lines, in terms of cheering and being somewhat fandom. So one of the WNBA writers for The Athletic, Lindsay D'Arcangelo, she tweeted out a picture of a email from the Las Vegas Aces media relations staff. You can say his name. Jiggy? Yep. That's right. We do say Jiggy all the time, even though nobody knows who Jiggy is that's <laughs> listening. It's like when we used to Him say the deuce. deucer. Yes. And no one knew who the deucer was. Hey, the deucer's still on staff. He We're going to. Absolutely. We may need to get uh, weekly reports uh, after Raiders games of. of the all right. Willie Ramirez here with us. Willie, where was Deuce Gruden during the game? <laughs> so this uh, email to the media says. Media members are required to remain seated throughout the game in their assigned seats. I appreciate the enthusiasm, but media members should not stand during the fourth quarter trying to get buzzer beater shots with their cell phones. You are blocking paying patrons from seeing the game. That's point one. Point two, media members are required to remain seated throughout the game in their assigned seats. You are here to cover the game as a professional, not as a fan. You should not be sitting in open fan seats. Third point, you should not be eating in the courtside club. We have media and staff dining area for that. Who's doing that? Fourth point, your credential allows you to cover the game. It does not permit you to bring friends to the game <laughs> or take them back of house. Uh, basically, relative to points two through four, if you wish to attend the game as a fan, purchase a ticket. Anyone who is unable to comply will have their credential taken from them and will not be permitted to cover Aces games in the future. There you go. All right. There you go. I... I'm going to defend the media on one of these four points. Um, standing to take the picture yes. uh, in the last second of a yes. game. So 
Points two through four, absolutely. You don't go sit with the crowd. You shouldn't be eating in the courtside club, and you shouldn't be somehow... Are they sneaking friends in? That well, one's kind of confusing. That was the confusing <laughs> one, because when we go in the media entrance, they absolutely do check your credential right. that you have a credential. Maybe their fan, maybe their friend paid for a ticket, and then and they're then just down. wandering them through the thing. But the one I'm going to defend them on is the very first point about you should not be standing during the fourth quarter, trying to get video on your cell phone because you're blocking paying patrons from seeing the game. That is completely on the aces because here's what happened. The majority of games, the media sits on the sideline right behind the scorer's table. Mm -hmm. For the first game of the semifinals, they moved the media to behind one of the baskets so that they could put another row of seats and sell behind them. the scores table. So basically, they moved the media so they could make more money by yes. selling more floor seats, right? That happens. But what that means is because that area behind the basket is kind of poorly set up, that means that on the floor level is the media seating, and then right behind them are seats that are still on the floor level. So if you're in those seats on the floor level, A, you already have a bad view, but B, now there's a whole bunch of media between you and the court, and you're telling the media they can't stand up? Like, media can take pictures at games. That's not against the rules. That's never been against the rules, right? So... That's on the aces because they move the media to sell more seats. Right. And if you're going to tell the media, hey, you can't stand, that's that's pretty ridiculous. The other three things, absolutely. Tell the media should not be doing that. But hey, you can't stand during the fourth. Because I'll probably, I, I sat, I bought a ticket as a fan. I didn't sit in the media seating for game one. I'm willing to bet the media in those seats probably can't see very well. They're probably better off standing oh, just to the, watch. We used to... Um... Uh, you remember this? We sit behind the basket. Oh the my Rebel god! Yeah. It sucks. It's a terrible seat. It's a terrible seat. Now we're up top, which is, gives you a much better vantage point. But yeah. when we sat behind the uh, basket for the right. Rebels, it was horrible. It was awful. So I'm, I'm willing the to bet the court. as a media member sitting behind the basket there, you might need to stand to see something because especially at the end, right? You're court level, and they're playing basketball on their side. There's a whole basket in front of yes. half your view. I'm willing to bet that they need to stand to see some of the stuff. So the first point, I think, is on the Aces. That's their fault. The other three, yeah, courtside club, bringing friends in, and what was the last one? Um, yeah, you shouldn't shouldn't be doing Sitting with the fans should be doing that. Yeah, no, the, the, those three make sense. But also, <laughs> it's the fourth quarter of a playoff game. Why aren't the fans behind you also standing up? <laughs> they probably well, were. Well, they probably were and still couldn't see because they're on the same level as the yeah. media. They're on the floor. So, yeah. Um I will say the other part of this. Shouldn't the media relations department already be not... Shouldn't they not be allowing those people in already? Yes. Because, those, this, those, and I'm putting in quotes, media? Right. The it's, selfie squad? Because it's yeah. not it's not new. Not a, not covering this team. And I, right. look, I've, not gone cover, to, I've not gone to several games. It'd be better if... Uh, um, other people who covered this team far more than I did would be able to talk on this. But the ones I've been to, uh, not only during the game, but post-game, some of the questions and how they are phrased, <laughs> they're fans. I'm sorry. That's 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 the legitimate take on it. They're fans. I think there's a level here of the WNBA does want as much coverage as they can get. So Probably. They're, they're not really in the business of turning down credentials probably but at the same time there's got to there's probably needs to be more of a vetting process if they want a more serious group of media there covering the game as opposed to people that are bringing friends along 